Welcome to the Straight Out of Home Video Podcast, part of the Geeky Waffle Network. This week we're talking about the Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. With me today is Brie. Hi. Alice. Hey. And Arzu. Hi. Why does this exist? <laughs> I have a theory, actually. Oh, of why is this- it money, Brie? Is it money? Actually, no, because I don't feel like this movie made any. <laughs> is it a misplaced is it a misplaced sense of everything has to be romantic at all times or it doesn't count? Yes, but it's also I feel like they thought that the first movie might have been a little harsh if you look different. So they're like, hmm, maybe we should make it lighter. Or you no, know, but it wasn't executed well at all. <laughs> I thought the takeaway from the first one was about loving yourself. It, it should as you been, are. Yes, but I feel like not enough are you. It's not enough. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there's always angry moms at something. Oh, well, yeah. So yeah. my kid looks different. And so they need to know that for realsies, romantic love is the only kind of love that matters. And if they don't end up with a love interest at the end of the movie, then what was the point? Yeah, because apparently um, having a partner in life is the only means of self-love and yes. worth. Yeah, apparently. Great, great to know I have no value. Thanks, Disney. Same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brie, as I do whenever Brie is on the show, is I ask them to give a short summary. Brie, what happened in this movie? Well, in this movie, there's a festival going on, a very important festival that's not the Festival of the Fools. And, you know, there's a circus that comes to town and there's this lovely little assistant who Quasimodo ends up falling in love at first sight because he made her laugh <laughs> was my takeaway from that. And then the circus starts stealing and then Phoebus is like, hmm, there's some shifty things going on in that circus. And um, a heist happens and then happy endings for all. Okay, I would like to just say this is a 68 minute movie. And it felt like five hours. Oh, gosh, it felt like forever. Can we talk about how the lessons are actually like bad lessons? Let's casually forgive Phoebus's racism. Just like Thank real, you. Oh, I know. real quick. <laughs> it was bad. And, and like Esmeralda slightly calls him out. But like also Esmeralda had like zero influence in this movie whatsoever. And I loved Esmeralda. The first one, she stood for justice and like power for the people and then this one, she's just like, her kid who doesn't really look like her kid. <laughs> Didn't inherit any of her features. None. I was like, that's her child? Hey, he's slightly tan. And occasionally his hair is darker in certain scenes. In fairness, because it's only 68 minutes and I don't think we had a ton of time to call Phoebus on his racism. In fairness, we could assume she spent the last, I don't know how old their kid is, like eight. Th- the last eight years making him feel bad about it. And she just doesn't have time in these 20 minutes to do that. He says, I don't trust these people. And then she was like, what, gypsies? And he was like, oh, I don't mean it like that. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh. Which was so... Okay, here's why I think that was a bizarre choice, generally. Because he's like, I don't trust them. And she's like, what, like, you didn't trust me? And then he feels bad. I'm like, okay. But most of them are stealing. Like, the, the... boss guy is running a theft ring that's true madeline's the only one who's not stealing anything i'm like he's not totally wrong so this is not the time or place to tie this back to what he used to be like totally wrong then yeah. but he's not totally wrong now 
No, he's kind of like 99% right. Yeah, it's literally That's just insane. Quasimodo's girlfriend who's not stealing anything. It's, it's kind of messed up that they made it the, the circus that stole. The whole lesson is don't judge a book by its cover. Just like the first one, right? Right. But Quasimodo, like Bray said, falls in love with Madeline like the second he sees her. Because she's pretty. And then yeah, she pretty. runs away because he scares her. Oh, my God, you didn't see what he looked like. Ah. And then, like, they never address it ever again. Never. It, it reminded me of kind of like, okay, when he's making the figurine, because right away he sings about how he loves her. And I was like, how? Uh, he has a very like obsessive compulsive disorder i think kind of i don't know it felt weird esmeralda exactly that quickly too yeah he did and then i was like oh quasimodo is a tight to write like reader slash character fan fiction of like (laughs) fan fiction that's no I think it's because women are allowed to be judged on their appearances in these movies, but the men aren't. <laughs> like, right. like you can fall in love with somebody at first sight if they're a woman and they're beautiful. Like, I don't, oh, like I don't know. Nobody else gets that treatment. Right, because if they're a man and they're beautiful, they turn into Hans from Frozen and suddenly they can't be trusted. Unless you're Phoebus, in which case you're just, you're just dashing. Racist. And racist. And, ra- <laughs> and racist. Well, okay. I mean, it did take Esmeralda some time to warm up to him. Not not much. Okay, but, okay. So I think it would have been better if the villain was actually stayed attractive and he didn't use, like, his spanks to push in his gut and wear, like, a headpiece, uh, toupee. People who wear spanks I- can't be trusted. Oh, no. That's all of it. That's oh, no. the lesson. I'm, I'm sus again. <laughs> Same. Ugly people can be good and bad, right? Like Quasimodo and Frollo. But only beautiful people are always good, like Phoebus and Esmeralda. Well, no, but then it goes back to the Han series where he was really pretty and he turned out. No, we're talking about this movie, Brie. Stop bringing Hans into everything. My you fault, and I it. He is pretty. And here's the thing with Disney. Disney, majority of their movies, the villains are typically a non-pretty beauty standard. Right. Unless they want to fake out with it. Exactly. Which happens with like Hans queen. and like very few other people. And like Gaston is the same thing. Yeah. Gaston, you so, can tell he's a bad you guy. You can guy. tell he's the villain, but he's like, he's meant to be conventionally attractive. Yeah. He's yeah. supposed to be like a job. Like right. A, yeah. He's a he's bully. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it was a weird note to go from the first movie where I felt Quasimodo had some, like, peace in his life of knowing who he is, of accepting himself. And then he kind of just seemed desperate again in this movie. That was my thing, too, was, you know, he falls in love with Esmeralda super quickly, which is fair because he's been in this bell tower alone, and the only human who ever talks to him is Frollo. So, like, fine, the first pretty girl who comes along, of course you're going to fall in love. But by the time Madeline comes along, it's been, like, eight years. And I presume he's living out and about in the city and he's like hanging out with his friends. So like she's not, you know, the second girl he's ever seen. I assume he's seen plenty. So he could like think she's pretty and he could have a crush on her. But this kind of zero to a hundred singing about her and like carving sculptures of her like he regressed. Oh, a hundred percent. And and that's. That's where I had a problem because it seemed like this whole desperation thing and it didn't seem genuine. Um, because honestly, if you look at their backgrounds, they have similar upbringings of being kept locked away 
you know, for, for one man's purpose. Um, you know, Frollo in the bell tower and then for Madeline in the circus just to stand and look pretty. Oh, let's talk about her backstory. So she was six and she stole from Sasquidge or whatever his name is. Sarush. I love the vaguely <laughs> Persian undertones of his name. I'm like, that's nice. We so, love it. We love Sarush, it. So he, she steals from him. He catches her and he like kind of just like enslaves her. And she has so much like self-doubt and very low self-esteem that I'm like, girl, this is not a time for you to get into a serious relationship. You need to learn about you first. That's the thing. Uh, uh, Quasimodo could have like kind of taught her how to be on her own. Like, like Esmeralda helped him. I almost think the love story would have been more interesting if played more from her point of view than his. Yeah. Like I know it kind of went back and forth but we only had an hour and we still had Phoebus's whole subplot. So taking yeah. up some time, but we if it had all been played from her side, it would have been a lot more interesting. I completely agree. Cause we got, you know, Quasimodo comes to self-actualization at the end of the first one. And the, the very beginning of this one, he is flying around, you know, setting up decorations and hanging out with people. And then immediately hides behind a curtain because it's like, Oh, I can't ever talk to women ever forever. Even though I was just in the square talking to women, <laughs> like, and, yeah. and, and and then he goes to Esmeralda like, oh, I don't know what this feeling in my tummy is. I feel sick. And it, but it's like, but you were in love with Esmeralda like, like not that long ago. Don't you know what that means? Like, it, it totally regressed the character completely, and like took away all of the self actualization and like the the like heartfelt meaning behind the first one and like all of the beautiful lessons he learned and and takes it away and instead gives just this this girl who's lovely but it's like a blank slate of a person and and says yeah she's pretty go for it that's and that's that's it that's the plot of the whole movie it's weird guys it's weird oh no i was just gonna say like i almost wish they met differently and then then she realized he was uh you know the the bell keeper, you know what I mean? Like, and then she's like, oh no, I'm stuck between like a rock okay. and a hard place. Let's talk about the plot or the villain's plot. He wants Madeline to go to the bell tower to find out where the fancy bell. La Fidelle. La Fidelle. And he's like, you need to find out where it is. But why? Because he needs to know which tower to go into because there's two bell towers. Okay. But then at the end, she doesn't tell him and he just finds it anyway. Oh. I was not paying attention. It sure is up there, all right. And and that's it. That's all he knows. And he, yeah. he like doesn't even he like looks at it and he goes, What? It doesn't even that that can't be it, because it's like a ugly. Not bell. beautiful on the inside. <laughs> on the outside. Beautiful on the inside. Guy guys, guys. Yeah. Things can be beautiful on the inside. I don't know if you got that as like a lesson, but you know. Somebody would explain how a bell that's got that many jewels on the inside is supposed to ring because... Yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) No way. No way it rings. (laughs) Sometimes it has the little pendulum inside. Sometimes it doesn't. And then Quasimodo has to ring it. But there's stones in there. I just... (laughs) What if the stones break was my question. I was like, that that would crack if it was rung. Yeah. Speaking of the villain, again, how do you say his name? Sarush. Sarush, Sarush, yeah, that is really Persian. <laughs> oh, no, it is. Yeah, we, we we either play terrorist or... He's a straight-up, sketchy, thieving carny right out of Persia. Yeah. yeah that's, we love it. 
so fun. Argue that's all you and I will ever be. Well, he's played by a white man. What's his what's his what's the actor's name? Michael McKinn. Yeah. So I just saw him in um just saw him in something and he was really good. He's a really talented actor. But, yeah, but, he, he actually did pretty good. I mean, for what he was given. Yeah. Yeah. Could not believe original cast. Can I just say? Oh, can you say the again, whole original cast? Back? Yeah. I cannot believe they got the whole original cast. Like, yeah, Kevin Klein, like, Tom Hulse, everybody. I remember the ads for this. Like, I remember watching uh, VHS tapes at, at home. And they were like, coming soon to Walt Disney Home Video, Hunchback of Notre Dame 2 with Kevin Klein, Tom Hulse, Demi Moore, and introducing Haley Joel Osment as Zephyr and okay, Jennifer but- Love Hewitt <laughs> as Madeline. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Like it was introducing Haley Joel Osment. Like what it what a year two thousand two was, right? Like wow. Okay, but actually by that point he had already done the Sixth Sense in nineteen ninety nine and was yeah. nominated for an Oscar, I believe. Peak of his career in two thousand two. <laughs> he recorded his part in nineteen ninety seven, but it wasn't when he was nine. But it wasn't released until five years later in two thousand two. So something happened in those five years. You know what? That makes a lot of sense. If they've already got them all there for their 1996 Hunchback of Notre Dame obligations, they can just get them to record all this. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this is going to the like, Nobody came yeah. back for this. Okay, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Yeah, they had them there. They're like, hey, after the premiere, come to the sound booth really quick. It's like so, an hour-long script. It'll take no time at all. Yeah. Let's talk about Haley Joel Osment because this guy is in so many of these movies. He was the replacement chip in Beauty and the Beast Enchanted Christmas. Was he really? He was. He is Mowgli in The Jungle Book 2. <laughs> Gotta love the white boy playing an Indian. Well, yeah. Demi Moore played Esmeralda, right? Yeah. Yep. Yes, she did. Yep. He plays Sora in the Kingdom Hearts game. And there's actually a scene where Sora meets with Phoebus, Quasi, Esmeralda, and even contends with Frollo. Hmm. I never got into Kingdom Hearts. The first game was really fun, but that's all I, I played. Yeah, but he even like came back to do Sora in uh in the third one. Like and that was like a big like a big deal, I guess. Yeah. I'm not that familiar. <laughs> Oh, no. I didn't like the third one as much. I haven't actually finished it. I'm still, like, in the first few rounds. Can I say something about this that really bothered me, this movie? Yes. And it's, like, the tiniest nitpick. It's so stupid. At the beginning, when they're all dancing around at this love festival, you've got the the MC guy. Like, what's his name? Clopin. Yeah. So he's dancing around. He's got Zephyr on one side, and he's got this little girl on the other side. And the little girl is the same little girl who, like, at the end of the first one, goes up and, like, touches Quasimodo's face and, like, leads him into the crowd. It's eight years later. Why are you still so small? (laughs) She'd be a full-on teenager now. She should be, like, a teenager. And given the time period, she should be, like, married. Like, you should not be, like... Maybe it's her daughter. (laughs) Yeah. Like, all these years later. (laughs) It just bothered me so much. And it's such a stupid thing because it lasts, like... It's still blinking. You miss it. Like my brother and his girlfriend didn't even notice. I had to like rewind and make, go back, <laughs> not rewind. Wow. And make them watch. But like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, did you only have this asset on hand? Could you not think of another child? Did you think we wouldn't notice? Because we did. So. I bet it made the animation really cheap. I bet The that. animation is extremely cheap. But let's just reuse the same characters. It'll make it even cheaper. This is like Return of Jafar, Pocahontas 2 love animation. Yeah. I was going to say, did you notice that Esmeralda's eyes were blue? They're yeah, green they're in the green. original. I think they're a teal, oh. though. No, they're supposed I, to be green. 
for a reason. They're like a emerald they're, green, right? Yeah, they're supposed to be like bright green, which is very striking in the original. Well, that's um, yeah. yeah. Green also represents mysticism and all that kind of stuff too. So, and also Esmeralda means emerald. So, make you represent we're on a budget. <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> They couldn't even look back at the past movie. They didn't even look. They're like, let's just guess. Take too much time to go back. Well, the thing is, too, besides the animation looking cheap, the script is very, like, shallow. Whereas the first movie, I mean, the songs were beautiful. That soundtrack in that first movie is outstanding. It really does have a lot of depth, um, especially, you know, Esmeralda's subplot of, like, fighting equality and justice and with this one I feel like they could have done a lot more with it given what they were trying to do the parallel with Madeline and Quasimodo and then they just decided to just give up I think well because they didn't give themselves enough space because they wanted to do that whole parallel of like you can't wholesale judge a group of people based on preconceived notions on one hand but on the other hand they have these really thin very obvious villains so it's like but these are also the same people these are the people being judged so she can't go out there and champion for madeline because every single one of madeline's associates are doing exactly what phoebus thinks they're doing the first time madeline walks on screen uh jason alexander uh as hugo is like damsel alert and i know maybe he's just using the word damsel as like oh it's a lady it's a dame like look over there it's broad you know but like uh she's just a damsel in distress like she's sure she you know can do the tightrope trick at the end and save the kid but like she literally is just the damsel in need of saving the the pretty little blonde in in the midst of a bunch of you know evil people that needs picking up and saving um and rescuing from the evil bad guys like, like where they totally drop for sure and i think they could have done more with you know, finding your inner strength, because that's what Quasimodo had to do the last time is like, unlearn not to trust these people. The thing is, I think what would have been a little better is if Madeline trusted, how do you pronounce his name again? Sarush. Sarush. Thank you. I don't know why. I know. I know. If she had trusted Sarush like Quasimodo did Frollo, because he had to unlearn trusting him in a way. Because he was so brainwashed by him. And if she Great. was... Mm-hmm. It's 68 minutes. They don't got time for that. I know. I was going to say, know, that would make such like, a better story. but It would make such a better story. But like then they could have... If they kind of... I don't know. Maybe it changed something in the script. They could have made that better. I. That's what I would have... They could have made it better. That's what I would have... They could have made it better. Yeah. Her unlearning to trust them and Quasimodo helping her see that, you know, the people she trusts aren't to be trusted, you know? Okay, I wanted to bring up, can you guys name or remember a single song from this movie? No. Uh, one of them has the word miracle in it. One of them is a uh, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-ling in love. <laughs> oh, and Alice, that song has the lyric, love has nailed him. Love has wow. nailed him. <laughs> Cool. And I think also railed him. And I was like, <laughs> no. Great, great. Great. I love it. I hate, no, I hate, I hate this. I hate everything about it. 
I'm sorry to remind you all of this. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, uh, Brie, you were talking about the music from the first one is just so iconic. Um, God help the Alcat. That's I, oh, so beautiful. Unreal. The bells of Out Notre there. Dame, when I hear that song, goosebumps. Yeah, I cry just, every single time I watch that movie, which is probably more often than I should uh, as a nearly 30-year-old person. Like, I watch that movie constantly. It's my favorite Disney movie. Okay, uh, Alice, we're having you on for our Hunchback retrospective. Okay. The original. The original one. It's the best I think, movie. <laughs> I think that's also what hurts this one so much mm-hmm. is the original is so good. If the original was trash, it'd be like, okay, well, I'm expecting trash. But it's just so dark and moving and beautiful. It's just, it's hard. Their villain the song in the in the first one is so like it's good but dark and it is messed up and there's like layers and then i can't even remember if sarush had a villain song here i imagine he did he didn't he didn't didn't. okay because they knew they couldn't remember arzu you watched this yesterday i can't remember i I can't remember and none of it is memorable and well the first one frollo gets this beautiful villain song hellfire which is like combines faith and religion with sex and desire and mashes them up and it's so good i can't i don't uh it's so frustrating that this movie drops the ball so hard well, and also Frollo is one, I think, the scariest villains because he's so real. Because this is stuff that does happen. And his inner struggles that fuel his hate is terrifying because we see it all the time. So, like, to go from that realistic, um, uh, you know, that realistic villain to this um, just kind of cheesy over-the-top narcissist, but, like, very... He's cartoonist. Yeah, he's and a he's cartoonist. Yeah. And how cliche to have somebody, a bad guy like that, do, like, a, oh, I'm actually super ugly, but I'm trying to be so pretty. And, like, like that that kind of, that, like, surface-level deception of, um, look, I'm actually attractive, uh, you know, but just kidding, I'm so hideous or whatever. It's like the the most basic or most like cliche level of, oh, obviously this guy is deceiving us um, because look, he's deceiving everyone with his appearance. Like, like think a little deeper, guys. It's- it would have been a lot better, I think, if they did show that kind, warm guy that maybe helped that starving kid you know, when she was mm-hmm. six. And that's that would have been the best, like, Hans-type twist of showing us, like, ooh, okay, who we think is really warm and friendly and inviting and is trying to be a champion for all the misfits is really uh, the one deceiving everyone. That would have been so much more interesting and complex uh, to, to watch, you know? I'm... Sorry, Brie, are you expecting something complex from a Disney sequel? You know, I would hope that, you know, screenwriting as a craft would be taken that seriously for sequels to have uh, strong attributes. But, you know, I'm I'm always severely disappointed. This movie had three writers. <sighs> See, that's that. Three writers. I didn't even stay for the end credits. I'm so done. I say for the end credits for that song by Jennifer Love Hewitt, which was not very, not good, not great. It had a lot of like, I would literally die without you kind of oh. imagery to it. 
mm-hmm. I'm gonna love you for the rest of my life. That's the, the the chorus. And it's like, and there was a line in there that's like, uh, a life or a love that's unlikely to ever end is a, is a lyric from that song. Unlikely, um, just unlikely to never end. It's very clumsy. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of like, like we are going to die in each other's arms kind of imagery in that song. It's really intense. But with like a cute little poppy sheen to it. How wonderful. They wouldn't even give her a song in the actual movie. They had to play it during the credits. I wanted to ask you guys, what is up with Hugo the gargoyle and the goat? Disgusting. <laughs> it was weird in the first one. It's gross in this one. Yeah, the I goat thought- is not okay with it. The goat doesn't. The goat says no. A goat bats his little eyelashes at the end. I remember Uh that. I I do remember that. I thought it was a weird choice then. Um, He took it. He would also be writing fanfic with Quasimodo. Like self-insert with the goat. Uh, I don't like the word (laughs) self-insert with the goat. You know what I meant? No, it doesn't. It doesn't go well together. I don't like that in the sentence together. <laughs> would shit himself with the goat in fan fiction, like you know, goat ex reader. It'd just be huge. Okay, girl. let's change the subject again. Oh no! So, Lord. do you guys know the tagline for this movie? I don't remember. When there's a bell, there's a way. I don't know. Okay, here it is. Miracles do happen, and true love can come true. Mm. So it's a miracle that someone could love Quasimodo. A miracle. Oh, no. Wow. Miracle. That's just I, what I, I don't really care about. about the miracles can happen part. It's the true love can come true that bothers me. Too much. It's so clunky. Okay, so Rotten Tomatoes time. What do you think the critic score is? Okay, Arzu, how, what do you think it is? 32%. Alex? Um, critic score? Um, I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say 38. Okay, Bree? Uh... I- here's my thing i would give it four percent so that's what i'm going to say they gave it okay well brie would win by prizes rights rules because it was 30 percent yikes but alice was closest <laughs> <laughs> oh no arzy was closest that's bad and the audience score is actually lower 26 percent yikes i thought maybe that the the critics would be a little bit more like or that the the critic score would be skewed by people understanding that it's a Disney se- like a made for VHS Disney sequel. I figured the critic score would be changed by fewer critics reviewing it because it's a made for VHS mm-hmm. sequel. But I would have. I thought the critics would give it four percent because the four percent was for the voice actors. <laughs> I the audience score would have four percent is for- like I kept my kids quiet. It's fine. Four percent, thirty percent is for uh, the existence of Kevin Klein in this movie, yeah, and that's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and Jason Alexander, even though his character is creepy. No, absolutely, Jason Alexander is always a always a joy in voice yeah. acting. He's a joy. oh, and he's in this one. He's in the Aladdin ones too. Yeah, Jason Al- and a bunch of other stuff too. I think he's in one of the Tarzans. Yeah, Jason Alexander gets around as well. There's talk that this was like one of the reasons that like the direct to home video sequels kind of stopped. This movie killed it. <laughs> I don't. Bl- I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Let me finish. Oh no. This was after Pixar and Disney merged, and John Lasseter was like, "What the hell." 
<laughs> just like he was with the original Tinkerbell, which Bree and Vanessa and I just watched. Oh boy. And he went and he rewrote like the like 90% of it. So I feel like this kind of killed it. So they're the last straw. It it nailed I just it. Would like, I would like just to remind everyone that a few years before this movie came out. Lion King Simba's Pride came out. And that's animation's gorgeous. Yeah. Again, for the budget. Yeah. Simba's Pride's fine. Aladdin King of Thieves was fine. This one, not not great. Not so much. Hey, mm-hmm. the, the animation regressed. Quasimodo quasi regressed. Everyone's regressing. Uh, Esmeralda regressed to two scenes. Um. I would have loved if they had Esmeralda and Madeline have a scene together. Wouldn't that have been great? Like literally a conversation? Yes, yeah. that would have been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and one that wasn't about boys. Quasi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that would that would have been great. Yeah. So would you guys recommend fans of the original movie to watch this one? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Please don't. Even Alice's puppy says no. Exactly. Nope. Yep. So I will say. Under no condition. <laughs> If you want to sort of refresh your love of the original, do what I did. Watch the second one and then put the first one on immediately after because the beautiful shot <laughs> will just look that much more gorgeous. Yeah. I would say I would say this is good for anyone who wants to understand what not to do in screenwriting. This is a good lesson. So if you want to watch it for educational purposes, do that. I say, if you're overage, make a drinking game out of it. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Okay. I want to drink every time that they say the word miracle. Done. On the floor. Alice, in like, five ten minutes, minutes in. I, I played a win. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alice, can you tell people how to find your amazing podcast about theme parks and Disney rides? Well, sure. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Happy Places Pod. The podcast is called Those Happy Places. Uh, it's about theme parks and rides and attractions and why they're great and why they deserve to be thought about as literature. Because a lot of time and work goes into designing a theme park ride. Sure, owes a heck lot more time and effort goes into designing a theme park ride than this movie. So, oh, oh. Burn. <laughs> like so. So yeah, uh, you can yeah find us at uh, thosehappyplaces.com or wherever you find your wherever you find your podcasts yeah, on Spotify. Now we're on Spotify now. That's a thing. Cool, Bree. Tell people how to find us. All right, uh, you can find myself, Arzu, and Candice all on the geekywaffle.com, uh, where we post uh, articles and have all of our past podcasts on there, so you can take a listen to that. Uh, also, our reigning queen, Candice, is on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. Uh, come hang with us over there. Uh, she's she's really funny. I'm in a, still in a celebrity feud with Baby Yoda. Yes, that's still happening. And I just love, Brie, you were, like, not sure what a URL was. You're like, I know. I paused for a moment because I was like, did I forget the the? And then I was like, no, I said the the. It's one of those days. I'm still in quarantine and my job's over and I have no idea what day it is. And I watched this movie. It's Tuesday. Thank you. Well, I think we're just all having those days and this movie didn't help. I would like to thank (laughs) Brie, Arzu, and Alice for joining me on this so crazy journey. And I would like to also apologize to them for making them watch it. (laughs) 
Thanks for having me. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate it. (laughs) Something to talk about. Well, we hope you all have a happily ever after until the sequel where you finally get a love interest and have worth in your life because you aren't worthy without love, apparently. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I made myself sad. (laughs) (laughs) That just went off on a tangent. But yes, happily ever after until the sequel. Bye.